the canine condition. Come, sit, stay. Welcome to the Canine Condition Podcast. My name is Jacqueline Pignol. I am an actor, documentary filmmaker, and animal rescue advocate. The Canine Condition Podcast is a platform to bring awareness to dog adoption and to provide all dog lovers and pet owners with information and resources on how to raise a healthy and well-balanced dog. If you are thinking about getting your first dog or just want to know where and how you can help a dog in need, this is also a place for you. I like to buy things, don't you? Treating ourselves makes us feel good. But when you buy something, anything, do you give a second thought as to where it comes from or how it got to be what it is when you are holding it in your hand and about to buy it? Or when you click the purchase button online? We are a consumer-based society. There's no denying that. As consumers, we drive the market. Companies want to please us and compete for our business. But it is no secret that many of the products we buy for need or for pleasure get tested on animals before they are considered safe for human use. What? Toothpaste, soap, shaving cream, lotion. What about household cleaning products? We have to buy them. How many of us ladies love makeup? I know I do. Lipstick, mascara, eyeshadows. Men buy shaving cream, hair gels, cologne, you name it. There are so many products that get tested on animals. And don't just take my word for it. Do an internet search and type in what companies test their products on animals. Or type in the company names of the products you use. See what comes up. And does it suck to have to think about all this? Yes, it does suck that we have to think about these things and consider them when all we want to do is buy things that we need every day to make our own world go round. But the thing is, if we turned a blind eye to this aspect of the canine condition, the torturing of animals continues. And for what? I will have you know, as we found out in episode 7 of this podcast, companies can do other types of testing, such as human skin cell testing, to safely manufacture consumer products. So why do they test on animals? Just for our safety? For our benefit? No. No. Do not be fooled. It's also for profit. Money talks. Besides the creators and manufacturers of these products, there's a whole industry that profits off of animal testing. The laboratories, the research companies that provide the studies, the labs that breed the animals used in the testing, the people whose job it is to lobby our elected officials to allow for animal testing so they can go convince corporations that they need to get these tests done to guarantee their consumers' safety. Making changes and decisions that are more conscious does not mean that we won't get to have those instant gratifications that we all love when we get the products we use. But what if we stop buying all the products from companies that do animal testing? Oh, you better believe those companies are going to take notice and start changing the way they do business. They are going to find a way to formulate products in ways that do not practice cruelty to animals. The ball's in our court. And in the meantime, we can buy products we need and want from cruelty-free companies. In 2021, there are thankfully many smaller companies that sell wonderful products that are safe for us to use and where no dogs, bunnies, nor other living sentient beings have had to suffer for us to get those products. 
you can do an internet search on cruelty-free products, and you'll see what I'm referring to. No one is telling us what to do or taking away any of our freedoms. It is quite the opposite. We as consumers and citizens are empowering ourselves enough to say, I want to buy my makeup, my toiletries, my cleaning products, my office supplies, but I don't want the companies they come from to practice cruelty to animals by testing and torturing the animals. When we stand together and we stand strong, we will see a shift in how corporate America and other countries in the world formulate our goods. Freedom is getting to decide how we want things made and where. Necessity is the mother of invention. Let's make the animal testing companies do the right thing while still getting the products we all love. Changing with the times is important not only so that we have an easier time understanding and living in the world that surrounds us today, but also to avoid that generational gap that will exist with our own children. How many of us think our parents are so old school? The world was different when they were young. And now I think of my son, who is only five years old, and I ask myself, will he distance himself from me or feel that I'm so old school one day that he won't be able to relate to me if I refuse to change with the times? He's growing up in a world where his generation does need to be more conscious of how and why they consume certain products because of the overuse and misuse of the planet's resources today. Those of us that remain unwilling or unyielding to change will miss out on opportunities to grow closer and bonded to our children who are growing up in this time. One of the greatest gifts we can give our children or leave behind for loved ones and friends who will be here after us is to live by example. At the end of the day, if we can say we put good out into the world and we can sleep at night knowing that our actions benefit us and others, then we're headed in the right direction. I would love for my son to grow up in a world where he'll look at me and say, oh my gosh, you guys used to do animal testing for your products? What was wrong with you? We don't do that anymore. But until then, we have a lot of work to do. And on today's podcast episode, we will get to learn and hear more about that work from a representative of the Beagle Freedom Project. Since its inception in 2010, Beagle Freedom Project is a nonprofit animal rescue and advocacy organization and the world's leading organization for rescuing and rehoming animals used in experimental research. This dedicated group of individuals rescue and rehabilitate animals used in testing that are also subjected to other forms of unique cruelty, abuse, and neglect. Beagle Freedom Project strives to end this cruelty through its educational programs, campaign initiatives, and lobbying efforts to make the world a better, safer, and healthier place for both animals and people. It is my pleasure to welcome Beagle Freedom Project volunteer Lori Cohen to the episode. Lori is also the director of the organization's new Canada chapter. Welcome to the Canine Condition Podcast, Lori. Hi, Jacqueline. Thank you for having me and, of course, Beagle Freedom Project. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you for being with us. I'm so curious and interested in so much about the Beagle Freedom Project, so I'm going to jump right in. Okay, sounds good. Before we address the question that, to me, is the big elephant in the room, and I'm going to save that, I'd like to know how you got involved with the Beagle Freedom Project. Well, I had a precious beagle walk into my life 
uh, over 10 years ago now. And I knew nothing about beagles. So as crazy as this is, I googled, what do I do with this beagle? You know, what's the personality of beagles? What do I have to look out for, etc. And when I did that Google search, Beagle Freedom Project came up. And at the time, and still, I own a cosmetic company, a cruelty-free cosmetic company. And I just started supporting them through that. So that's how I found out about Beagle Freedom Project. And why is the organization named the Beagle Freedom Project? Well, Beagle Freedom Project is named because beagles are the number one breed used in testing. We do rescue all sorts of animals and different breeds of dogs, of course, that are used in testing. But beagles are the number one breed used in testing. So now here's that question that I was going to ask earlier. Okay. Why are we... And by we, I'm saying American companies and laboratories still testing on animals in the United States in 2021. Why does this still exist? Essentially, the bottom line is money. They're testing on animals all over the world. It's not just the U.S. The facilities that test on animals don't want to pay the money to make the change. And there's other ways that you can go about testing using computer modeling, etc. But they really don't want to spend the money to make the change. And on top of that, a lot of the grants that some these facilities get are based on data. So essentially, if they can generate a certain amount of data out of that animal testing, they're going to receive the grants that they need to carry on. And again, we all know about the pharmaceutical world. You know, it is a, a huge money-making venture. And it's sad to say that it, it boils down to money, but it really does. And in fact, the National Institute of Health put out a press release a number of years ago, I believe, making recommendations and stating that there wasn't enough data that was acquired from animal testing to even benefit humans and still question the ethics. And it's just that there's no laws in place that mandate these facilities to stop doing so. So it's it's a big answer, but I see that the bottom line is simple, money. It really is. Yes, as I stated in my introduction, behind the scenes, it's a lot darker than just, hey, we're doing this to make sure humans can use our products safely. Exactly. It really is. So you said that this is done worldwide. This isn't just a United States problem. There are other countries guilty of it. All over the world. So who's making progress and who isn't? Well, great question. Countries all over the world are still testing on animals. And it's sad to say, as you had mentioned, the first world, that the U.S. and Canada are in the top 10 countries that are still testing on animals. Uh, primarily, we think about cosmetics. We hear a lot about banning testing on cosmetics, etc. So recently, India... Norway, off the top of my head, Israel, uh, have stopped. It's now illegal testing on animals for cosmetics. So that's progress, absolutely. But we're in first world nations. And the fact that we're in the top 10 is really quite disappointing. So let's talk about the goals and the efforts of the Beagle Freedom Project. Let's discuss the legislation. Tell us what Lenin's Law is, which is also, I saw on the website, the pet Blood Bank Modernization Act? Yes. Lenin was a greyhound we rescued. And Lenin's law is the phasing out of closed colony blood banks. Only in the state of California, all the other states uh, do not have closed colony blood banks. The goal is the same as us as humans would donate blood on a volunteer basis. That's what we want the state of California to do. So that responsible pet owners that have healthy pets want to help out other animals can just bring their dog 
chunks in and donate blood on a volunteer basis, as opposed to having these horrific closed colonies where basically if your dog is getting blood, another dog is living a horrific life and or dying for your dog to get that blood. And I don't think any pet owner feels good about that. So Lennon's law serves to phase out these closed colonies. And California is the only state that still does this. I just think California can do better. And I living in California, I'm so ashamed that that happens in this state that is one of the most progressive and forward thinking states in the country. I know. It's amazing. This too is on our website. So you can always go on our website under legislation and check that out. How can more of us who are not in that world and just have our lives going on with work, with family, but we have a heart and we want to help or we want to do something, how can we help the Beagle Freedom Project advance its mission in legislation? Okay, that's a great question. My answer to anything in, in terms of changing the government is always to call your local politicians, but also just to share information. Sometimes I think in our first world countries, we forget that the government works for us. I think in a way we take for granted that they're doing their jobs and there's a billion things for the government to do. And so the louder we are, and the more people that speak to their local representatives, etc., about the things that matter to them is really going to make the difference. And that's a lot, you know, a lot of what Beagle Freedom Project does is educate people so that they can be a voice for the voiceless. And sometimes people are going to help in different ways. We don't always expect people to be a foster or an adopter. Sometimes that doesn't work for you, but there's just so many other ways that you can do it and calling your representatives, knowing the facts and just making your voice known to the people that can change the laws it goes a long way. It's actually something that seems so simple. And yet even to me, who I would do anything to help an animal, I think, really, all I have to do is call and they're going to care. They're going to listen. Like, what, am I going to leave a message and they're going to listen to it? And I'm told over and over again by different people in different states, even through my journey filming the documentary series, that yes, it makes a difference for us to simply leave a message, send an email, or call and speak to somebody if they answer the phone. Absolutely. I think it does. And I think the more people that do it, nobody can ignore the masses when you're all saying something. Essentially, the Beagle Freedom Project is an advocacy organization that happens to rescue. So it's very unique in the fact that our goal is really to end animal testing. And Shannon Keith, the founder and president, puts it very to the point in that rescue is simply a band-aid. And as much as we love rescuing animals, and of course, I mean, it means the world to us and, and to see the joy in the fosters and adopters and to, to know that those animals thrive even after coming out of conditions that are deplorable, rescue really is a band-aid. We would like to end this entirely. So the only way to do that is legislation, because as we were saying before, these companies, unless they're forced to do so, they're going to continue to do so. Even when the ethics are questioned, they're going to carry on doing it. So the legislation is very important because laws need to be changed. Um, for instance, with, uh, with our federal Beagle Bill, right now, 11 states mandate facilities to uh, release animals after they've done their quote unquote service. 
That's what they call it, service? Yes. So they are then mandated to release the animals. Right now, we're hoping the federal bill would change that so that all the states would have to ensure that these facilities release the animals after they're used. That's just one example. And in terms of our Georgie's law, we have a petition right on our site that, you know, we're taking signatures and presenting them. Tell us about Georgie's law. Georgie was a beagle that uh, ended up in a shelter. We got a call to help. He was 11 pounds. He was just emaciated. He was shaking uncontrollably. He was truly what the shelter, what anybody would deem a dying dog. He, he was going to die. We were called in. When was this? This is in the middle of 2020, off the top of my head. It was just last year. We got called in and we, we took Georgie out and we got him medical care. And during such time, the owners of Georgie showed up at the shelter. So animal services came to the vet and because of the Good Samaritan law in California, they were able to pull Georgie out from medical care and take him home. Legally, he was theirs. Okay, so was he lost and he ended up at the shelter? Had he been missing for a long time? Because, I mean, if he's 11 pounds, I'm sure he didn't leave his house the day before, or did he? As far as we know, he was gone for a number of days. We weren't entirely sure how many, of course. I do believe he had a medical condition, um, but 11 pounds is 11 pounds, <laughs> right? Yeah, no dog that is 11 pounds came from a wonderful home, and I'm sorry to be that blunt. And that's what we thought. We didn't even think he had owners. We thought he wandered off. We thought he was a stray. It never occurred to us that there were owners out there. We took him. We got him medical care. When he was handed over to animal services even the vet was heartbroken and had said this dog isn't going to make it we need to continue with the medical care why did the family want to pull him from medical care why weren't they just extremely grateful and overjoyed that you were saving their dog's life and paying for it on top of that questions I absolutely can't answer, of course, and, and we wish we could. But wow. um, what happened with Georgie's law is that that came into effect when we realized that there was somewhat of a disconnect with the Good Samaritan program. So Georgie's law basically is a new program that if a dog ended up in a shelter or ended up in the care of somebody else, a Good Samaritan, that if it appeared or seemed that that dog was abused or neglected, that the Good Samaritan would have the opportunity to adopt. And if it was found after investigation that the dog was not abused or neglected, the owners could take the dog back or the animal back, but would still be responsible for the medical care that the Good Samaritan provided. And then, of course, animal services or whichever faction was in charge would then do follow-ups and wellness checks to make sure that that animal was okay. So that's what Georgie's Law proposes after we realize that the program, in our opinion, failed because Georgie was released from veterinary care against veterinary suggestion and opinion. And the family wanted that. They did. Oh, wow. I had no idea that, that A, that was allowed to happen, and B, you know, what kind of people are we dealing with who would want to do that to their dog? 
So that's unfortunate. Um, you had to relinquish Georgie back to the owners and let go and move on? We did. We did. And it was heartbreaking oh for all of us. It was heartbreaking for, for all of our supporters that, you know, kind of watched. And it was heartbreaking for our team to have to let that happen. And I'm sure the veterinary care provided was A, not cheap, and B, did you raise funds for it, or did the organization provide veterinary care? We provided up to $6,000 worth of veterinary care for Georgie. And the owners were not responsible for paying any part of that? Under law, not at all. All right, to my listeners, if you're hearing this, I urge you to find a way to sign this petition on Georgie's Law because it seems like a very important cause. I have seen many dogs in horrible conditions relinquished by their owners, but I had not heard that an owner would want to come back to take their dog against veterinary advice or not let their dog at least heal in good hands and work with the rescue to provide that care. So I'm sorry to hear that about Georgie. It was upsetting. And in order to make this change in this law, you would have to get how many signatures and what would be the next step to see this program adopt that change you're proposing? I will say that if you would like to uh, sign the petition to have the Good Samaritan Act changed into Georgie's Law program, then go to bfp.org slash Georgie's Law. You'll see it under legislation on uh, bfp.org. And we're just getting signatures so that we have enough signatures to present it and therefore it will go through and the program will be changed. Is that how you have to start every program that you want to change? For example, even with animal testing, petitions, calls, proposals, what does it take to make actual change happen? I think it truly starts with education. And the founder and president, Shannon Keith, is an attorney. So, you know, she's got a fantastic amount of knowledge both in the animal activist world and as well as an attorney. So needless to say, Beagle Freedom Project is really run by somebody who knows what they're doing and knows their way around the law, which is fantastic. And we're blessed for that, of course, as are the animals blessed for that. Yes. But from, from the standpoint of an advocacy group and organization, I think education is the key And really just asking people to speak up, asking people to share information, really along with our Cruelty Cutter app. I mean, again, I'm going to bring it back to money a little bit because as I was saying earlier, some people can't foster, some can't adopt. And some people maybe don't have the financial means to donate, but that does not mean that you can't make a difference. That doesn't mean that you can't help Beagle Freedom Project or help the animals. And the Cruelty Cutter app that we've got is the perfect example. Oh, tell us about that. What is it? So it's an app that basically scans products to tell you whether they are cruelty-free or not cruelty-free. You download the app. It's on your phone. Every time you go to the drugstore, every time you go to the grocery store, you can check out uh, household products, cosmetics, etc. Really? It's fantastic. It'll come up right on your right on your phone. It'll show you this product is not cruelty free or it is cruelty free. Wow, I'm gonna write that down. Cruelty Cutter. If you go to cruelty-cutter.org, you'll see it and you can download it. 
the extra cool thing about that is that it's got what we call the bite back. So as soon as you find a product, if it says that it is not cruelty free, uh-huh. you can hit the bite back <laughs> option. <laughs> It'll automatically post to whatever social media platform you want. So you can tell people, hey, guys, this is not cruelty free. Really? And then Conversely, you can do the same if you want to promote what is cruelty-free, what products are cruelty-free. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. And if the legislations aren't in place to stop these companies from testing on animals, at the very least, we can do it. Yes, that's exactly what I was talking about in my introduction. Right? Like if we're not spending money out of pocket to these companies, something's got to give. So that is a huge way that people can support Beagle Freedom Project. Oh, that is so great. You know what I'll be doing when we hang up from this call? <laughs> downloading that <laughs> I am app. downloading Cruelty Cutter. Absolutely. <laughs> so let me ask you this question, because when I was preparing to interview you, and I'm so moved by the work that is done, because there's a lot of images and videos and things that I'm sure you see that are really hard to take. Have you ever met anyone or have you heard of anyone at the organization Beagle Freedom Project that has met somebody who worked in one of these laboratories or bred dogs used for testing that basically said, I repent, I can no longer do this, I want to be on the other side and advocate for these innocent dogs? I do know that Shannon said that overall she's only met one person that had worked for Revlon and they stepped out and said, I I simply can't do this anymore and now advocates and and talks openly and and speaks about it. But one. One. Okay. And you do have something on your website, the whistleblower button. Yeah. When I saw that, I was very intrigued. So I'm going to let you talk about that. What exactly is the whistleblower tab on your website? Well, the whistleblower tab is for people who are either in the biomed industry, they work at a facility that tests on animals, they're a relative of somebody who works at a facility, they have direct knowledge and experience with somebody working in the lab or they're working in the lab themselves. And they can either email or call a an absolute confidential phone number and confidential email that goes only to the president. So nobody else knows who they are and and what their correspondence is. It's really important to us because we've uncovered a lot of information from facilities all over the US and of course, subsequently saved many animals lives because of it. But the biomed industry People are reluctant because that industry is very secretive uh, in terms of the public. Uh, As well, people are not only afraid of losing their jobs, they're afraid of being injured and, and killed. Oh my gosh. It's a very, very dark and secretive world. And so the confidentiality is key and we stand by it. And honestly, though, it it is so unbelievably helpful and necessary. So that's something that we really count on. Right. I mean, I can understand that people working in these jobs would be fearing for their lives if there is fear of retaliation. Mm -hmm. I guess the one question we can't really answer is, who can sleep at night knowing that that's what they do for a living? That's really hard for me to take. Yeah, I agree. We ask ourselves that um, and then we just carry on. 
you have to take action, right? Yes, exactly. You know, we have a mission, we go with it. And trying to figure out the logic of of the human mind is, you know, (laughs) we'll drive ourselves crazy. (laughs) You're right. Can you tell me, why are beagles the chosen breed? Why do they have to be bred and suffer these consequences? Well, number one, they are very, very forgiving creatures. They're very sweet. They're very gentle. They gentle. They are very easily kept in cages. They don't cause a fuss. They usually won't bite back. All the traits that we love about beagles is exactly why they're used in testing. Can you tell me a story about one among the many, I'm sure, that sticks out about a beagle who had a rough time, a rough beginning, but a beautiful new beginning because of the Beagle Freedom Project? Yes, and there are many, but I'll tell you my own experience is with um, a little beagle named Hazel. Yes, please. And uh, Hazel is special to me because the very first rescue that I attended, Hazel was rescued. That was back in September. She was rescued from a U.S. laboratory And on the day of the rescue in California, she had a seizure, so she was unable to go off with her foster, and we had to immediately get medical attention for her. And as it turned out, whatever was tested on her caused a tumor that basically she required insulin daily like a diabetic, but the tumor continued on. So essentially with Hazel, when we researched, she was pretty much given six months to live, maybe a year. Um, It was suggested that she had surgery, but she might die. And and we just didn't know which way to go. All right. So Hazel was just adorable. And she actually spent the first night with me. Were you able to know her age or if she was tested on her whole life? Like what kinds of details do you get? Or do you just get handed the dogs and Hazel comes to you and you know nothing? It depends. Sometimes we know definitively date of birth, etc. A lot of times we do. A lot of times we we don't. We get an estimate. Um, in this case, many of these dogs in this particular rescue, the dogs were older than what we would normally see. So they were in the six, seven, eight range. They were quite a bit older, which means that they were in the laboratory. So Hazel was in that group. Right. They had been in the laboratory for what would be considered a good amount of time, six to seven, eight years. Gosh. So there was a lot of testing going on. Yeah. And and she was so sweet, uh, very scared, as you can imagine. She didn't really know what a dog bed was. So, you know, we had to coax her into a dog bed. Thankfully, the second night she slept on the bed with me and it was just so beautiful that I got to touch her and she could have human touch and sleep. As it turns out, though, she is with wonderful, wonderful people who are taking care of her. She's got a fantastic prognosis. Really? Yeah. I mean, she may not live what we would all want our dogs to live, of course, the length of time. Of course. But she's enjoying her cat buddies, her human buddies, her dog buddies. She's plain and she sleeps in her bed and she's just a joy and she is truly... And she knows what it's like to be a dog. She absolutely does. And she knows what love is. And she knows what play is. And it's just from 
the prognosis of six months to know that it's already been six months and she's doing better than ever is beyond amazing. That is wonderful to hear. And I know that we, that's what we want for all of them. So at the very least, if all we can do is keep supporting programs like the Beagle Freedom Project, we are making progress. Absolutely. At least I have to find some hope in that to keep me going and saying, hey, if we see the outcome of our efforts is positive and we're actually seeing change, don't stop. <laughs> you guys are heroes, truly. Well, thank you. It's, you know, it's exactly that. And you know what, Jacqueline, in the very beginning, all of the facilities that tested on animals, that one of the reasons that they stated that they didn't want to release the animals is that they said that they were unfit for homes with families, that they would never be okay in a family situation, that basically they were damaged and they were, they were not essentially dogs really that could live a normal life. And you have no idea how blessed every day we feel when we see our fosters and adopters and they share the stories of the progress of these dogs and how these dogs have become the love of their lives. And these dogs are happier than anything. Stop. You're making me want to adopt one. And I already have six. I know. (laughs) I know. You'll be downloading the Cruelty Cutter app and putting in a foster application at the same time. You bet. (laughs) But so it's amazing. And we know that these dogs are resilient Um, They're really a lesson for humanity in the fact that they are forgiving of the humans, of the very humans who committed these acts of violence against them. They teach us so much daily on forgiveness, on resilience, on just moving forward, on experiencing joy. You know, they're just a lesson to us all every day. Yeah, yeah, they're the inspiration. They really are. Does the Beagle Freedom Project only focus on saving those beagles or if if owner surrenders come to you or like you were talking about, Georgie, there's a dog in a shelter in need, will the organization step up and say, we'll take that dog too? Or like you said, sometimes you take other breeds. Um, how does that part of the BFP organization work? Well, we do take uh, owner relinquished dogs. We Primarily, we would like to stay within our mandate, which is animal testing survivors. But that being said, we do have a senior program that we will absolutely try to find a home for seniors, a forever home, um, as well as any special needs. So uh, the answer to that is yes. And I did see that you have several programs on the site. You have Sponsor a Survivor Mm -hmm. and the Senior Programs. What are those programs like? Okay, so the Save Our Seniors program is actually a foster program in which somebody becomes a forever foster. And sometimes those dogs are an owner relinquishment or from the shelter, but basically they're usually requiring intense medical care, the usual geriatric problems. Some of them are diabetic. So that is one of our foster programs. And we do have so many supporters who just jump on that and really want to help out with an older or more mature dog. And and that's just their thing. It's really a special, I mean, all of our fosters and adopters are special, but I think it takes a very special person 
to spend the last, the end years of a life with an animal. We also have our sponsor survivors. So that's um, something that we do for medical transport housing. It's like a donation made and you can choose whichever dog you want to contribute to. And they're all listed on our website. So that's just for the general needs of the dog during a rescue. Yeah. It's got the dog's story and everything and the photos so you can look at each dog and what their story is and what the rescue is about. And then uh, we have the Rescue Warrior Club, and that's a monthly donation. So that's something anywhere from $25 to $100 that you are choosing to donate monthly and contributing anywhere from treats and food and transport right up to the entire rescue, rehab, and that. So it's just kind of a tiered system. And then we have a membership card. You get discounts to our shop. So that's kind of the Rescue Warrior monthly donation program. So on that note, tell us how our listeners can reach out to BFP or follow the Beagle Freedom Project on social media and stay up to date with all of your programs and your mission. We have our website, of course, so you can always go to bfp.org and that's where you'll go to the legislation tab if you want to sign for Georgie's Law. And then, of course, you'll see all of our programs on that site, but on social media, Beagle Freedom Project on Facebook and Beagle Freedom on Twitter and on Instagram and TikTok. You can stay up to date all the time with everything. And of course, cruelty-cutter.org is where you're going to download the app so that you know exactly who's testing on animals and who is not. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lori. And our listeners should know that I am not getting paid to advocate for any one person or organization on this podcast. I choose to interview people from organizations that are doing the good work for dogs and for people across America and around the world. The Beagle Freedom Project has the canine condition seal of approval from me. All of the live links that Lori has talked to us about in this episode will be in the show notes of the podcast episode when you scroll down on your podcast channel. Thank you, Lori, for joining me on this podcast episode. Your advocacy for this cause is so important, and I hope we can bring more people on board BFP's mission. Thank you, Jacqueline, and thank you so much for what you're doing. It is so appreciated. So I have a little challenge for our listeners. The next time you buy a product you love or need, try to look up the company name and see if they do animal testing. Or download the Cruelty Cutter app to get the information faster. Whether you decide to buy it or not, you will at least have more information about the product, and that may help you make a decision that could save a dog's life. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, hang on to those leashes. The canine condition. Come, sit, stay.